0: Hey, Element Church, Pastor Eric Lawson here. Just want to let you know I am not with you this weekend, but I'm not going to feel bad nor apologize for it, and I think you're going to give me a pass because I have the incredible opportunity to be with two of my greatest life heroes, and that is my parents, Pastor Kip and Sandy Lawson. This year, they celebrated their 50th birthday wedding anniversary. What an incredible milestone. And what they wanted to do this year was to have all their kids and grandkids together with them on a special family vacation. And So that's what we're doing, celebrating these incredible people, Kip and Sandy Lawson, who have been on staff with us for almost 14 years now. So I also want to introduce to you a dear friend and special guest who was with us this weekend. I know you're going to love his message and just love who he is, and that is Pastor Aeneas Williams. Now, you might recognize his name from his 14-year career in the NFL. He started with the Arizona Cardinals and ended his career with the St. Louis Rams, an incredible athlete with some great accomplishments. He played in eight Pro Bowls, and he was inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame, truly an NFL legend. After his career in the NFL, he felt called of God, him and his wife Tracy, to start a life-giving church. They started in 2007, right in their living room, and it wasn't long before they outgrew that and now kept outgrowing every facility that they were at. They're now owners of a beautiful church facility uh, there in the St. Anne community. The Spirit Church, where Pastor Tracy and Pastor Aeneas are leading, is a life-giving church that's having an incredible impact in their community. Over the years, I've had the privilege of just becoming friends uh, with both of them, Christy and I, and we've just fallen in love with them and who they are as Christians, who they are as a husband and wife, who they are as pastors, and I'm a better person because of our relationship with them, and I know you're going to be incredibly blessed by the message of Pastor Aeneas Williams, so would you please, at all of our campuses, give a warm Element Church welcome to Pastor Aeneas Williams.
1: What's up, Element? Oh, man. All right, I appreciate it, but can we do that for Jesus? Can we thank God for Jesus? Hallelujah. He's why we're all here. And uh, you may be seated. Element, I just want you to know, I am, my wife and I, we're not strangers here. You've just ne- you've never met us maybe, but we're your cousins, all right? And I can tell you, Pastor Eric and Miss Christy, they've had a profound impact on our lives and also not just our lives personally, but our entire ministry. And you all need to know—you probably know this already—is that you have an impact on a lot of ministries that glean from you guys. And your generosity, uh, the love that Pastor Eric and Miss Christy have shown Tracy and I, to I, at times I'll just text him and ask him if I could be a fly on the wall, and I'll just come here and just listen, sit in on some of the executive meetings. I've gotten to know Pastor Nathan and also Pastor Leo, and a lot of your team members have embraced a lot of our team members at the Spirit Church. So on behalf of the Spirit Church, thank you so much. Now, I have something that I want to, uh, with Pastor Eric, he just finished a series, Overboard, which I thought was awesome, and he talked about Jonah and talked about sometimes we create some situation in our lives. And then there was another You Ask For It series when he and Miss Christie just sat down it looked like I did an interview and began to a- answer questions that some of us have. So I just want you to know I've been connecting with the ministry, so we're right on pace. But I have a question for you. In that overboard, uh, overboard series, he showed a picture. Does anybody remember this picture? I know it's small; you may not be able to see it. But this is a picture of him and Miss Crazy Looks so cute, right? And then he put a disclaimer out to you guys, no screenshots, right? So if they're the pastors and they're like the parents of the church, can I get permission from the children to post this picture on my social media? Come on, can I, can I, all right, all right, perfect. So let's get started, and I have one topic I'm dealing with today, and I would like to be your your worship or your choir director, I've, I've directed a choir one time. And uh, it turned out phenomenally, I did at my former church on Father's Day when all the men sung. And they sound so bad, they didn't realize how bad of a director I was, all right? So at the end of this teaching, I would like to indelibly put an imprint on your heart. And it's, uh, it's a few words. And when you, I would like, when you open a refrigerator, you're going to hear the saying, all right? Like, and there, here's, here's the title today, I Am Responsible. It's a big old, and boy, do we live in an irresponsible society sometimes. So here, you're, my, you're my, my worship team, and I'm your director, all right? So here we go. Here we go. I Am Responsible. Boy, see how hard it is for some of us? Come on, ladies, hit your husband. It's hard for a man to, to admit he's wrong. Am I right, ladies? All right? So here we go. Let's all do this together. You ready? Go. I am responsible. Still, you're not into it yet, all right? I got to get deep in your heart. You're saying it from your mouth, but guess what? I need it to come out of your heart. Are you ready? So that was for the Father. Let's see if we can do it better for the Son. Are you ready? Go. I am responsible. All right, third time for the Holy Spirit. Come on. Are you ready? I I am am responsible. So, In this series, I I've been teaching a series back at home on manage your mind. And I really started out with this I am responsible. Because there's a guy on the screen and his name is Drake. And if you put that picture up there, Drake, Drake shows you, see. So 40 and over, you may not know who Drake is, all right? Generation Z and the millennials, they know who Drake is, all right? So Drake, look at Drake. Look at the top part of this. Look what he says. Taking responsibilities for my own actions. All right. Millennials, Generation Z, teach your parents when they see, when Drake is doing this, he's mean. I don't want to hear that. Everybody got it? So what he's saying is, I don't want to hear that. Take responsibility for my actions. I don't want to hear that. But look at the smile on his face when he says, blaming someone else for my life sucks. (laughs) And look at the smile on his face. Because when you blame other people, it may make you smile for a while, but if you keep doing that, eventually you'll have a frown on your face. I'm thinking he probably made, he had a song, a famous song called, In My Feelings. He probably produced that song when he was blaming people. Because when you accept responsibility, guess what it does? It may hurt at first, but later on it'll feel so much better. And so in this title, I Am Responsible, shout it out louder for me. I am what? Responsible. Aeneas, why are you constantly have us saying the same thing over? Because repetition is the mother of learning. So my first big point is, first big point, are you ready? The blame game. The blame game. Don't we? I surveyed. I, I surveyed Warrington, all the, all the ladies, all the wives out in Warrington. I know you guys are listening. I did a survey. You guys didn't know about it. And then St. Charles location, I also did a survey with you guys, and I asked some questions to wives, spouses, and children. What would you like your spouse or what would you like your child to take responsibility for? And here's what I got. I'm just joking about the survey. I just wanted to put it out there, all right? How about this? Men, if you have a wife, you know this. You go to the drive-thru window, and do you want anything, honey? I don't want anything. So you order fries. You the guy. You order your own fries, right? She's already told you she doesn't want anything. Am I right, guys? We're talking about, I am responsible. We just want, I just want my spouse, my wife to say, I am responsible. When I tell you I don't want fries, I don't want my own fries. Come on. Come on, look at your wife right now and just say, sweetie, you're responsible for that, right? You're responsible, right? All right, so guess what? All I want my wife to do is to own it and just say, No, I don't want my own because I thought I would be slick. Because when you first get married, you don't know these things, right? I don't know why our parents didn't tell us these things to like warn us early on. So when you are novice at this and you just get married, you think when she says, no, I don't want any fries, she means it. So you naive and I'm naive, we just order our own fries, Until I was shocked and dismayed as we get ready to put our hands in our own fries, we notice there's some sweet, softer hands in the box with our hand, right? Come on, come on, ladies. Can we own it, ladies? All right. All right. All right. All right, ladies. Let me let you off the hook. Come on, ladies. Tell the truth. When we're driving, don't you want us to admit when we're lost? I mean, how many men are driving, and ladies, you know he's lost. And he's just driving, and his ego won't say, I'm wrong. I don't know where. Siri, help me out. Right? Don't you want him to just say, sweetie, I missed the turn. I am responsible. Can we get just a praise break for that? Right? Right? How about children? You thought you were going to get out of this, huh? Boy, hey, let, pretend the parents are not here listed, students. Let me, here's what will shock your parents. If they come and your room is dirty, and instead of making any excuses, you say, Mom and Dad, I own it. I am responsible. I should have had my room clean. Would you please forgive me? I'll get it clean now. Now, after they get up from fainting, You'll have so many, you'll have kudos with your parents. Why? Because one of the things, the first thing a parent wants to do is to raise an independent child. Because all of us start off dependent. And a parent wants the child to initially be independent. And when you give that type of answer to a parent, at they first they're befuddled. They're shocked. And then they start calling all of their friends and relatives. I promise you. Come on, students. I promise you. Am I right, parents? All right. So these are just things we want each other to own. Let's see if I have a a, a few more before we get going. Here's another one. When you're dating, when you're dating, please take responsibility and tell the truth when you're dating. If you don't like horror movies, (laughs) ladies, tell him. Because if you don't tell him, as soon as you get married and then you go to a horror movie and you tell him, oh, I don't like horror movies, you should have taken responsibility and told that to him from the beginning. Now I'm going to meddle a little bit. All right, ladies, here's one thing the guys need to know. When you're dating, they need to know what, what, whatever's on you, they need to know if it's real or not. I know somebody, what is he talking about? Like, if it's not your hair, just let us know. We all make better decisions when we know things. Am I right? Come on, come on, guys. It's just a tight group in here, all right? Just let us know. And guys, let her know if your teeth are real. All the things I'm saying, we need no shocks after marriage. That, that That hurts marriages. So full disclosure, so the first point is the blame game. Where did we get this from? Go to Genesis, and and Genesis says, where where did we learn this? Adam and Eve, they disobey God's command, and our Heavenly Father calls them on a carpet. As a matter of fact, here's what I learned about when I accept responsibility. What I didn't know, because religion teaches you that God gets mad at you versus when you do mess up and own it, God comes towards you. Why? Because when Adam and Eve messed up, they were the ones hiding. And it's interesting, when you hide, we're like the, we're like the domestic cat. Anybody ever see your cats in the neighborhood because they're so instinctual? They think when they're in the well-manicured grass and it's cut low, a cat, a domestic cat, a, a bend down in the grass as if you can't see it it's instinctual, instinct, it thinks it's in a wild and it's high grass. And do you know sometimes when we sin, that's why a community, a church, a life group, small groups are so important. Because when we sin, guess what? One of the first things our old nature wants to do is do what? Come on, guys. Come on, ladies. Hide. And that's why a local church, that's why when you're part of a ministry, that's why when you get connected... When someone, when a guy, if it's five of you guys that are hanging out in a group, all of a sudden one disappears. And then you call him and he doesn't answer. Guess what he's doing? But what did God do when they were hiding? He went and found them. And he said, Where are you? Now, here's the interesting thing about God. He seems, this being seems to ask people questions. Because God wants to know did you tell a lie or are you a liar? And he does that by answer, asking questions, right? And I would, did you eat of the tree? I told you not to eat. And our ancestors, they were so awesome. Adam and Eve were just a great example. When God, the first thing God says, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? But I thought Eve had the conversation. I thought Eve ate the fruit first, and she did. But how many of y'all know She handed it right to Adam. And notice what God did. God always starts at the highest order of things. So the first thing he says, not Eve, he said what? Adam, where are you? Translation, you're responsible, Adam. You are responsible, Adam. Where are you? He's hiding. And don't you love, Adam was such a great example to all men. He was awesome. What did Adam say? The woman you gave me. <laughs> he just owned it, didn't he? The Adam just right out of his mouth. That, that is the nature of the fallen nature. Guess what? As soon as God called him, Adam said, The woman you gave me. And then, ladies, you we know you guys tell the truth. You just tell us, you, you, you own it. You Eve showed us how you ladies own everything. Because guess what? As soon as Adam passed the the buck, the blame game, as soon as he did, and now God goes to Eve. Eve? And guess what Eve said? The serpent. Everybody blaming, passing the buck. All God wanted to do is have somebody own it. Why? Because he created us to own it. Because God, there was a discussion in heaven before he made human beings. And look what God, there was some kind of discussion where this is a great leadership point. It is a great uh, leadership point as it relates to a CEO of a company, a a CEO of a house, or a a mother, or whatever you do in leadership. Evidently, God does not like to make decisions in a vacuum. So he had a discussion. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So there must have been a, a committee here. I would assume Jesus was there. I would also think the Holy Spirit was there, and I would think the angels were all hanging around when God said, let us, he brings them to the table, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the earth. Now, there's only one problem. Our Heavenly Father always begins with the end in mind. In other words, he's never surprised. He always has contingencies before he ever starts something. I have my Hall of Fame speech, 2014. Someone asked me, they said, how long do you want people to remember your Hall of Fame speech? I said, at least seven generations. He said, whoa. I said, I only want them to remember two things. And at the end of my Hall of Fame speech, and anywhere I go now, this is almost five years, everywhere I go, anybody heard that speech, they always bring these two points. At the end, I had the whole crowd, which was at least 30,000 people, millions on TV, and all my fellow Hall of Famers were on the stage. I said to half the crowd, I want you to say, begin with the end in mind, and I want the other side to say, die empty. Begin with the end in mind, because young people, I walked on a football team my junior year in college. Division I AA Southern University. I wasn't pre- predicted to be the one to certainly not get to the Hall of Fame. But what I did was, when I did start playing... I wrote down what God had put in my heart. I want to be one of the best to ever play. So when I wrote that down, because writing things down is so important, because when you write things down, you're serious about it. It's not just a belief. It's not just something in your mouth, but you've written it. And guess what? When you write things down, it tells God that you're serious. It's now, I would prefer to do it in ink. And guess what? When you write things down, you become very serious about it. Your Heavenly Father will direct you to the people to help you accomplish it. So guess what? When I wrote down I want to be one of the best, all of a sudden God put in my heart to start calling guys that were already Hall of Famers in the position that I was playing. Even when I didn't know in how to be a Hall, uh, Hall of Famer. Even when I wasn't sure. Even when I was afraid to play. I'm talking about as a pro. And I called those people up. They were shocked I called them. And I began to find out how Hall of Famers think. And one of the greatest things they taught me, please listen here. And this is one of the greatest things you can learn as a Christ follower. Please don't forget this one. You could tweet this one, stamp it, do something where you remember this. My greatest asset as a cornerback, I knew how to overcome a bad play. I am shocked how many believers don't overcome a bad play in your lives. When your heavenly father knew when he made us in our when he made us in his image, Jesus knew when we had our own free will there was a possibility that he was going to have to come and correct a sin because when you give humans free will that means you give them the ability to choose so Jesus knew all right father and the father looks at Jesus says all right if we give them a free will you know you the lamb you know you may have to go and take responsibility for this. And you know what Jesus said on behalf of us? I got it. He said, I got it. And that's why you're reading the scriptures. It says, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Because God always begins with the end in mind. Yes. So the first big point. Get out of the blame game. If you stay in the blame game, you will remain lame. <laughs> let me say that again. If you stay in the blame game, you will remain lame. I, growing up in church, had never made any commitment to Jesus Christ. I had never gotten born again, even though my parents, growing up in New Orleans, two older brothers... My parents sent us to church. My parents were outstanding disciplinarians. I never had to look outside my house for a role model. My dad's the first college graduate on both sides of the family. And I've never had problems with law enforcement. Because I learned that early on. When your father calls the three boys in and makes a statement like what I'm getting ready to tell you, he says, boys, if you ever have to choose between me and the police, choose the police. I don't have any more problems with law enforcement, All right, So parents, you gotta get your bluff in early, am I right? Come on, come on, come on. Am I right? So guess what? He taught us through modeling, he taught us in terms of responsibility. We had to wash dishes. I'll never forget me and my two older brothers, we we decide we're gonna form a union in the house. (laughs) We had no sisters, the audacity and a mitigated gall all three of us play football that they would allow us to wash dishes and get soft hands <laughs> who would do something like this the boys so we decided to form a union and uh, and we each knew our giftings my oldest brother debonair he has the leadership my middle brother he's an accountant he's a CPA and then I'm the spokesman so we got together and we said hey we need to do something about this we need to go form a union and tell our parents Either we get a dishwasher or we're cotton. <laughs> so we get together, and, and they say, okay, Nick, you speak. They call me Nicky. I said, oh, I got this. So I get ready to prepare myself, and I say, hey, Dad, we play football, right? And you guys enjoy us, and we're getting better. We love playing the game, right? You guys love coming, but you, you're messing this up now. Play football, we need to have some rough hands, right? We need to be kind of tough. <clears throat> well, what's the problem, son? You, you have us washing dishes. And, and, and out of all that, you got us a palm olive. <laughs> That's and over, all right? Forward and over. Explain that to the g- Generation Z, all right? <laughs> so the hands off, our hands off. So we say, hey, I say, hey, Dad, we've gotten together and my brothers and I, we, we agree, we need, a, we need a dishwasher. And then your father looks at you, he says, for what? I have three. What was he teaching us? He was teaching us to learn. I'm so glad we learned how to cook, we learned how to wash dishes, and we learned how to clean up. I remember my dad did something crazy. This is the perfect time of year. And, and down in New Orleans, anybody grew up where your parents had your outside raking leaves while the wind's blowing and leaves still falling? Come on, anybody still mad now, right? Like, right. do I have anybody that can relate to me in here? So you're raking the leaves and the leaves, the trees, are, the, the wind's blowing and there are more leaves and you're raking and you're so, you're, you're so upset. Well, my parents were teaching us. They never set us down. We never had a class on responsibility. They literally modeled it. And the first thing is you got to get rid of the blame game. You got to get rid of the blame game. So growing up in church, I thought it was religion. It didn't make sense to me. I really didn't understand it. And as a matter of fact, I hated church. It didn't make sense, and then there was a lady that would come around the neighborhood and pick us up, but the people that were there, they didn't really like us. Because we were these kids, and they probably would have diagnosed me back then with some kind of ADD or something. But I didn't really have ADD. I'm the type of kid, I like to be outdoors. I don't like to sit at a desk. My middle brother Achilles, he's debonair. He he goes to school, high school, with a briefcase. And he and my older brother and parents, all the kids are different. Yeah. And some parents, I, I know right now, if you could whisper, you and your husband probably had your own private conversation. Did that one come out of us? Yeah. yeah. You don't say that to the kids, right? But they, we're all different. Did y'all hear me? We're all what? Here's another thing. I got kicked out of school in third grade. Like the sister, I was at a Catholic school, the sister called my mother and said, the oldest two are great, but the little one, we need you to take them somewhere else. <laughs> so if there are parents here and you're struggling with a child, look, look at me. There is hope. All right? All right. And I'm, I'm a brilliant man. I, I, I counsel and I've spent time working with the past two presidential administrations, and I work with the owners and the commissioner of the National Football League. So there's hope is what I'm telling you. Everybody got it? So the first big point is the blame game. You got to own it, guys. You got to own it. So many times we don't own it, man. And it's so easy, just like Adam and Eve, to do a passed the buck. But I found out spiritually, what has God done for us? In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, if you put up Deuteronomy chapter 5, please. Deuteronomy chapter 5. In the Old Testament, God said something to them. He said, you shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or on earth beneath you or in the waters below. He said, if you do this, if you bow down to images, that's a sin. And if you do it, I will not only punish you for it, but I will now punish your children and your children's children up to the third and fourth generation." So here's why, church, I needed it to be real and I needed whoever was pastoring to help me understand this stuff because there are spiritual laws that are just as real as natural laws. There are spiritual laws just as real as natural laws. And what I love about the scriptures, it tells you why things are the way they are. It tells you why things are the way they are. It tells you why Things are the way they are. So in the Old Testament, that's why it's so important to make sure you understand the Old Testament, God has done away with it. The New Testament is not an upgrade, uh, an improvement document of the old. It's not an, an amendment. The Old Testament, the old way, the old covenant has been done away with it. So this is an Old Testament principle, and it says when the parents sin, then that sin now will pass on the children, the grandchildren, and the great-grandchildren. That was a spiritual law in the Old Testament, but how many of you all know the testament that we live in is a good one, and it was established and ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ. So he did away with the old, and we are so fortunate to be able to live and a new agreement where God has canceled the old. That's why you have to be careful when sometimes people talk about generational curses and things that came from prior generations. Be careful not to accept that. It may try to come on you, but you have now the ability in Christ to stop it. Why? Jesus took the curse from prior generations on the cross. Why? So you and I can be made free in our generation today. Come on, let's give God a praise in this place. That's what Jesus did. So Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 1. God used prophets. Always remember prophets represented God to the people. Always remember that. Prophets represent God to the people. Priests represent the people to God. Everybody got that? Prophets represent God to the people. Priests represent the people to God. So God had a man named Ezekiel. And he told Ezekiel, Ezekiel, and he told this to Jeremiah, another prophet. He said, go tell my people they will no longer say this proverb in, in the land of Israel. There was a proverb, and God uses proverbs. Anytime you read the Old Testament, it was written in Hebrew. Anytime you hear about the term Hebrew, Hebrew is a picturesque language. God speaks in pictures. When he speaks to you, he usually is going to paint a picture Or he'll tell you a proverb. A proverb is a natural story to illustrate a spiritual truth. So this proverb that he said, he says, Son of man, Ezekiel, go tell the people, and he was speaking about us today. He said, and Jeremiah, go tell the people, you will no longer say this proverb in the land of Israel, or I would say even in the church today. And the proverb was, the fathers ate sour grapes but the children's teeth are set on edge. It's a strange proverb, and I didn't understand it. But I I want to encourage you. You have the Holy Spirit in you, so when you read the Bible, ask the author of the book, what does that mean? God does not want us to have information that we don't know what it means. So I ask God, I say, Lord, what is this? The fathers ate sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge if you go and you read this, look what it says, it's for everyone belongs to me. Israel, for everyone belongs to me. The parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. He's now instituted a whole different spiritual law in our new covenant. I will no longer hold things that your parents and your great-grandparents did for you. I did in your lineage. It will no longer stay on you. You now can say, I am responsible. If grandmother was broke, grandfather was broke, great-grandfather was broke, you now can say, I refuse to live a life of no resources in my family. Why? Because in Christ that curse of poverty has been broken. And guess what? You know this from natural things. If your pressure gets high, the doctor's going to start asking you questions. Tell me about your dad. Tell me about your granddad. Tell me about your mom. Why? Because they know naturally there's a tie. But here's a a, a wise doctor tell you. You may not have blood pressure, but if your mama had it, your daddy had it, your grandparents had it, you may not have it now. I just see in your annual checkup, your pressure is going up. You need to make some adjustments now. So why? You don't experience high blood pressure. Do you know same way spiritually? Now that the cross has freed you, there's still some things you need to notice in your lineage that you need to stay away from. For example, if alcoholism is in your lineage, grandfather, great-grandfather, and your father, and now you're born again, you have to be careful going messing with alcohol. Why? Another believer may be able to drink alcohol because that's not coming from their lineage. You know your lineage, so you may have to stay away from it. That's why Paul said, be careful. Don't use your love to cause another person to stumble. In other words, be careful. Paul says, if eating meat offends you, he said, I'll never eat meat again around you. Because his love for you superseded his freedom in Christ. That's why we have to be careful, believers. You don't know someone's background. You don't know what God has delivered them from. So you have to be careful going back and indulging old things you used to do. Why? Because you've been set free. So now, just as you would, you you cut out the salt. Or you'll stop eating all these fast foods when the doctor tells you. Why? Because you have the propensity toward it. But guess what? In Christ, you're already delivered. I'm set free. But guess what? I'm not going to put myself in position to be reoccurring in bondage again from what Jesus has delivered me from. Why? Because the first thing I'm going to do, I'm not making excuses anymore. God has told me through the prophet Ezekiel, through the prophet Jeremiah, guess what? He set me free prior sins of my ancestors will no longer come on me. The first thing you got to do is receive that with the words of your mouth. Lord, thank you for delivering me from any negative thing that was trying to come on my life from prior generations. First thing, you got to agree with God with the words of your mouth. Somebody shout out, I'm free. I'm free. No, you didn't say, I'm what? I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Who the Son is set free is what? free indeed. So what's the next big point of all of this? Once I stop blaming, I have to own it. You own it. Sometimes we don't own it. When the great players, the great thing about the New England Patriots, any Patriot fans are here? Uh. All right, let's have an altar call real quick. we are all the Cowboy fans? All the Cowboy fans come down, let's pray for them. Let's, let's get them delivered of delusion, all right? all right, all right. Just joking, just joking. It's always some in the group. Now, I have on a pair of tennis shoes. These tennis shoes actually are from the New England Patriots. And one of the things Bill Belichick always makes sure happens on that team. He doesn't care what anybody else does. Make sure you do your job. All of us always looking at someone else. Do your job. Do your job. Do you know most times, rarely do people from losing teams get voted on a, in, into the Hall of Fame. It's rare. Because a lot of times, when teams are losing, players allow themselves to become losers. Oh, wow. Wow. Too many of us, you're a believer now. You've been, God sends you maybe, maybe to a negative environment, and guess what? You don't have to become negative. You can literally be the positive in that negative environment really? if you just do your job. Boy, oh, how wonderful it would be when a cop pull you over and you just say, you know what? I was speeding. Thank you, sir, for the ticket. I will slow down. He, when he finished getting up from fainting, he may not even give you a ticket. Why? Because you just owned it. Am I right? Why? Something happens when you own it. The first king, Saul, first king of Israel, he gets fired. And he appears to have done far worse than, I'm sorry, David appears, the second king, appears to have done far worse than Saul. Saul, two times, did not do what God told him. The second time, the prophet told him, you go into this this city and you kill it, wipe out everybody. No excuses, this is God's command. Well, when the prophet calls him on it, he decides to try to be political instead of just owning it. Instead of just doing his job. So many of us, what, what happens if you, when the cop pulls you over for speeding, and then you, make a, a, you have a statement like this, instead of just owning it, you say, well, oh, everybody else was speeding. How do you think that dog would hunt? No. You, you got caught. I always wanted to know, why did you say David was a man after your own heart? Saul gets fired. Why? The prophet calls him on it, and he blames the people. That's what got him fired. If he had just told Samuel, I blew it. I thought you were going to show up at a certain time. You didn't. I got, I got frantic. I just blew it. I sinned. Didn't do that. He tried to play political games with Samuel. Instead of saying, I did it, I was wrong in owning it, he just say, "Say Samuel, I know I messed up, but look. I want to look good in front of the people. So I'm going to go walk out before the people on the balcony. I need you to walk with me so they'll think I'm with you. He wanted to play political games with him. He gets fired. David does something what I think is far worse. David takes a man's wife, get her pregnant, knock her up, as the people say. <laughs> and, and guess what else? And then he has the guy fired, I mean killed. David just, and when you go to Israel, he's the most remembered king. Why? When the prophet Nathan called him on it, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. That's when I realized what it means to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. It's not that you don't blow it. It's when he calls you on it. You have a genuine relationship with him and you own it. I was wrong. And it seems to be one of the, some of the hardest words for all of us to say. I have problems saying sometimes that I'm, I'm wrong. But when you say it, liberation takes place. If you could put that, that quote that I had on there, up there. Because so many times, once you see what God has done with, there it is right there. One has opened the door to freedom when un, one embraced the truth that I am responsible. That's when you're set free. And do you know God rushes in? He says he gives more grace to the humble. Who are the humble? Not those ladies that wear your dress below your knees. Not the ladies that don't wear makeup or you look, look a certain way. The humility is have a genuine relationship with God that when he calls you on something, hey, I was wrong. And do you know he'll rush to help you? Do you know even if it was bad like David, he'll cause, he says in Romans chapter 9, he says, he'll cause all things to work together for your good. Even the bad things, he'll cause to work out. I know you don't even understand it. Do you know the angels are sitting back, they're like looking at our movie, and they're like, how is God going to do something and make some good stuff out of this? David has killed Uriah, he's knocked up Bathsheba, the son has died, all oh, but God will make the the first son between him and Bathsheba, the next king. Why? He specializes in things. He knows sometimes we'll jack it up. There's only one person lived in this earth suit who followed the script completely. His name is Jesus. I'll say that again. Only one. The rest of us, we will be under construction until we check out. So what's the first thing? Get out the blame game. What's the second thing? You grown, now own it. Your teenagers, your parents, your teenagers say, I'm grown. Oh, good. <laughs> I've been waiting on that one, right? <laughs> That's liberation, right? Oh, you grown, cut off the bank accounts. Oh, go get your own place, right? We've we been waiting to hear that, right? You're grown, then you're going to own it, all right? That's the second thing. So, first big point. Get out the blame game so you don't remain lame. What's well, the second thing. You're grown, so own it. What's the final point? Final point. Correct it. If you're going to per- perfect it, you must correct it. And perfect in this terminology means maturity. It means to grow up. Did you know God want us to grow up? Believers may influence the world, but disciples change the world. Believers may have influence in the world, but disciples do what? Change the world. Why? Because we own it and then we correct it. In other words, if it's wrong, what is the right thing to do? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23, it says, it says, this is the way of life reproofs of correction is a way of life. Do you know we're always constantly correcting things? It's nothing wrong with that. A missile is never going in a straight, ton- straight line all the time. It's always making mid-course correction. So as long as you live, football players, we rarely ever play a perfect game. But we look at the film and we do what? Correct it. So get out the blame game. And I guess we need help with that because all of us, If you're 60 years old, I mean, you got to stop blaming your mom. I mean, you really do. I mean, at some, if you're 60, I'll I, I start getting close to 25, 30, but at least 60, you can't blame your, your dead mom anymore for you being overweight. At some point, hey, I have the Holy Spirit in me. I'm taking ownership of this. And I'm telling you, you'll free yourself. Why? God's Spirit does something when, you're, when you know, I may not be where I want to be yet, but I'm not a delusional as to where I am. And I can own it and no longer. Your first marriage, stop blaming that last spouse. I'm telling you, stop blaming that last spouse because you end up lame with the new one. Why? What could you learn from it? What could you learn from the last relationship? You want to deal with that before you go into a new one. Why? No more blame. There's some things I want to learn and I learned from that. God takes those old experiences so we can learn from them. Am I right, guys? So get out the blame game. What's the second thing? What's the second thing, right? Own it. Own it. What if we create a culture of owning it? But don't do it where, no, you need to own it. You heard what that pastor said. That's not how you do it. All right? (laughs) Do like God. Ask questions. Did you own that? Sometimes, ladies, just ask a question and walk. Did you own that just now? And just walk off, ladies. Just drop the mic on them. <laughs> and when you don't say anything, he's going to expect you to come back and say a whole lot more. But you don't realize, sometimes with men, when you just give us a question and drop it with us, it stays with us when you go on to sleep. And God begins to work in us to get that out of us. Right? So, what's the third thing? Perfected by what? Corrected. Corrected. The scriptures tell us how to correct something. Here's the final thing I say to you there was a guy in John chapter 9, and it was a, a man that was born blind. And because the disciples didn't know when Jesus walked on the scene, he, had, he was now liter, literally the walking epitome of the Old Testament being done away with because he was going to fulfill it so this guy was born blind so the first question because of Deuteronomy 5 the, the guy was born blind so the first thing the disciples asked Jesus who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind it was a good question based on what they knew from the Old Testament and Jesus said neither but he didn't say no one he only answered their question Our curse causes negative consequences. Does not come without an action. He didn't say no one sinned. He said this man didn't sin, nor his parents. And then he wanted their focus off of Old Testament, and he wanted his folk their focus on him. He says neither this man sinned nor his parents. But but the works of God can be demonstrated, and the works of God is God's compassion through Christ to come bring compassion and love. To help us alleviate the consequences and sufferings that came from our sins. That's what Jesus was here and is here to do. He's God's compassion demonstrated to us. That instead of trying to figure out what caused this, I am the root cause to kill all the causes. Adam's sin eventually caused the blindness. But I am the one Jesus that gives what? Sight. In other words, when you approach Jesus, don't approach him from the Old Testament. Approach him from, he's the light bearer. He's the light bearer. I say he's the light bearer. And I am what? Come on, class. I failed if you don't know this. I am what? I can't hear you. I am what? I can't hear you. I am what? Here we go. Okay, say it from your gut. And remind each other, because we have a tendency to forget what we heard in church. Are you ready? I am responsible. One more time. I am responsible. One more time. I am
0: responsible.
1: Thank you so much. Glad to be here with you.